0: Um, again, I, I agree with, uh, with what, uh, brother people said in his prayer about that question about, are you happy this morning? Um, and I'd say that, uh, I, I wasn't one of the individuals that said yes, uh, mainly because I was caught off guard and I had, I had to take a moment to, uh, take stock of my emotions at the time. Um, but I would say that, uh. Uh, I'm joyous that I'm certainly alive. I'm joyous that um, uh, God has given me an opportunity to be exposed to the truth. Mm -hmm. um, And uh, also an opportunity to be here in this building uh, to worship him uh, as he's commanded me to do. As we've talked about in uh, previous lessons about the human condition... Um, and how real it is, how we struggle with it. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, how long you've been a Christian, mm-hmm. or whether you're whether you're not a Christian. Um, even we all struggle with this um, with this baggage that we carry with us. And uh, I, I will not delve into that again because I think I've I've beaten that pretty good. But um, it's also you know, in light of what Brother Marzette's question was, are you happy today? Um, maybe you aren't happy today, and maybe you are, um, but you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Um, so, what is the secret sauce? How do you how do you maintain this, um, if not um, physical happiness or emotional happiness, this internal joy uh, that you have, and that's maybe the uh, the segue to my lesson this morning Um, it's about faith in the uh, life to come or faith in the afterlife you know the scripture talks about in a number of different occasions um, that uh, there is something after we die Um, as a matter of fact um there has to be something after we die because if you believe that there's a god or maybe if you don't believe there's a god and maybe you believe that there's a devil well then you have to believe that there's a god um because they're they're I wouldn't say they're they're two sides of the same coin because they are not um, but they are you know, if, if evil exists and the devil is the epitome of evil, then goodness has to exist. And we certainly know that the Almighty is good. Um, but we have to believe that there is a life um, after death because there is a God. Mm-hmm. Um, and God is not a physical um, a physical being. The scripture tells us that God is a spirit. And it also says that because God is a spirit, if those who believe in God worship Him, they must also worship Him spiritually, in spirit and in truth, as the Scripture goes on to say. But there is a life after death. Uh, the Scripture tells us that there are two resurrections. Um, there's a resurrection unto life, and there's a resurrection unto death. But death. But there is a resurrection. And resurrection is life after death by, by uh, the, a loose definition. Certainly, as the scripture describes it, that when we die, it is, death is not, a, is not the final um, act of, of, our, of, our, uh, of our story, if you will, of our journey. It is simply a transition from the terrestrial body to a spiritual body. Now, that spiritual body has a place where it can go. It can go to uh, death or it can go to life. Mm-hmm. And I want to start off by reading from the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 22. <clears throat> and, um, you know, we've, we, we've talked about, uh, you know, what the book of Revelation has, has to say on a number of different occasions, but certainly in Revelation 22, it says, uh, starting at uh, verse number 14, it says, Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city, for without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. If, you, uh, if we continue on, it says in verse number 18, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in the book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book Mm -hmm. and we know the things that are written in this book in the chapter preceding well chapter 21 um, it talks about the uh, the beauty um, the joy, the peace that exists um, in this new Jerusalem, this holy city Uh, some of the same things that we talked about last Lord's Day where there won't be any sorrow, any tears any discomfort, it'll be joy and and peace uh, a nice sunny day uh, because the glory of the father and his son will lighten this city um, because there won't be any night and as a result there won't be any night i guess i should say more accurately but what we see here in chapter 22 is two things is if we keep the commandments of god Um, we will be able to have access to that city and we'll have rights to the tree of life. Secondarily to that, it says if any man takes away or adds to the words that are written in the book of Revelation, his name will be taken out of or he will not have access to the holy city in which exists the tree of life. Um, Because outside the city, again, are are dogs, sorcerers, whoremongers, murderers, adulterers. And whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Now this has a lot of a tie-in to uh, a lesson I gave, uh, I don't know, probably three Sundays ago about believing in a believable lie or having faith in a believable lie. Um, There are many people in this world that believe that we are all just Believing a, a happy lie or maybe not uh, a complete truth. Uh, we believe in fairy tales or a story. You know, our faith um, is not necessarily based on a belief that there is an afterlife. But our faith is based on the, um, the, the good feelings that there could possibly be an afterlife. Now, if you look at what verse number, seven, verse number 15 is, is saying here is that those who are outside the city are those who loveth and maketh a lie. And I want to I wanna focus on the loveth for a few moments here um, and uh, we'll, we'll move on from there. What does it mean to love a lie? Well, to, to love a lie... Is well let's talk about what love is, right? To, to, to love something means that it, it is the preeminence in your life. Um, it is something that you strive for. Uh, the book of Matthew says that where our treasure is there were, there, were, there will our heart be also.'m um, a little tongue tied this morning. so and that's not what Matthew says that's what Jesus says. Um, Matthew is just recording um, what Jesus has said in that statement. But Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, as the only begotten Son of God, having you know knowledge of, of knowing that there is, in fact, an afterlife, says that where our affections are set, that's where our love is. That is what we are striving to get to. Um, so someone who has an affection to a lie is someone who also loves a lie. Someone who is putting all of their eggs in that basket is someone who loves a lie. Um, and I hate to go back to this, but Romans, the first chapter, talks about um, lies as well. Um, and if you... Um, and I'll, I'll read that verse um, for you f- real quick. In, in Romans, the first chapter, I believe it's... Uh, Where is it? Uh, Verse number 25. Um, In speaking of those who did not uh, uh, maintain the knowledge of God in their hearts, it says they also changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And what uh, they did is they said that, okay, um, We're going to take the words of God and we're going to transform it away from something, uh, away from what God intended it to be. Uh, They changed the truth of God into a lie. And those who followed after that lie are also the same people who loved the lie. And those are also the same people that will find themselves outside of the New Jerusalem, the Holy City. Um, as referenced in Revelation, the 22nd chapter. Now, I'll explain that further here in a few moments, but if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Genesis, the third chapter. And we'll also read about uh, a really interesting lie as well and what happens if you love a lie. Well, from the very beginning, um, we find two human beings, Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about this last Lord's Day as well, that um, when Eve was made, it says that they were both naked and were not ashamed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until um, a, a serpent or Satan um, presenting himself to humankind in the form of a serpent. Um, by the way, this serpent, um, based off of the curse that God levied upon the serpent after um, Adam and Eve strayed uh, and and as we will find after they turned the truth of God into a lie um, it says that the serpent was cursed with um, basically an existence uh, on this planet walking through the planet um, on its belly Mm -hmm. and eating the dust of the earth so what that implies to me is that prior to um, this curse, serpents did not move in the same form and fashion that we know serpents move today. Just as well as we know Mm -hmm. that Adam and Eve, or rather the purpose of mankind, is not the purpose that we all kind of um, exist in today. Um, For the very same reason um, that uh, we know that childbirth is a curse for for the woman and working with the dust of the ground you know sweating Mm -hmm. and turmoil um, is a curse of all man in order to provide for his family that's a little bit of a a digress or a tangent but in genesis the third chapter um what we find here is that the satan went to eve and, and tempted her or rather she was tempted of her own flesh but um, the sa- Satan, in the form of the serpent, made this temptation known to her, and he said that, Go ahead and eat, you know didn't God allow you to eat of all of the the trees? And she said, No, except for one, i can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because he said, In that day I will surely die.' And the Satan says, No, that's not the truth. Mm-hmm. He bends the truth. He doesn't tell her an untruth. Well, he does tell her an untruth. Mm-hmm. He doesn't overtly and explicitly lie to her. What he does is he distorts the truth. Mm-hmm. How do I know this? Well, <clears throat> again in Genesis, the, the third chapter, it says in verse number four And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely. Duh. And if I had an, op- and if I had the ability to to speak like a snake, um, I would say that as the serpent spoke, the emphasis or emphasis was on surely, right? He said, "It's." He said the truth, but he distorted the truth. He said. Ye shall not surely die, for God doeth know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God's lowercase, knowing good and evil. Now, it says that the woman looked over at the tree, she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes you know all of the the three ways in which we are tempted existed in in this one verse the pride of life yes. the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes yes. and it says that she did eat it and guess what as satan promised her eyes were open and yes as satan promised she knew the truth she was aware of the thing that God was aware of. And was trying to protect his creation from. Because he knew that in that day. That once his creations knew the difference between good and evil. The flesh would take over. And it would have a natural affinity to evil. Whereas the spirit will have a natural affinity to those things which are good. And it says that yes. Their eyes were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they had to cover their shame. It says in verse number 22 of Genesis, the third chapter, it says, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us. Do you see how Satan did that? You see how he turned the truth of God into a lie. And you see how the result of Adam and Eve loving that lie, how they found themselves kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Now you've got to understand that the Garden of Eden was perfect. perfect. How do I know it was perfect? Because God on the, what is it, it says on the sixth day, The end of the sixth day, he looked down on all they had created, and he said, "It is good." And he rested the seventh day. So I know that the Garden of Eden was perfect. It was. It was. Adam and Eve could have stayed in the Garden of Eden to this day, and would be happy as clams. I would venture to say that because they. If they had existed in this Garden of Eden without eating of the knowledge, eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that there wouldn't be any sorrow, there wouldn't be any tears, right? There there wouldn't be any rainy days, right? Because as we all know, it didn't rain in the Garden of Eden. It didn't rain until Noah. It was a utopia. It was perfect. But because Adam and Eve, or Eve and Adam, whichever one you want to go first, but both of them, because they loved the lie, they loved this Satan turning the knowledge of God or the truth of God into a lie by virtue of the fact that they ate of the knowledge, by virtue of the fact that they disobeyed God they found themselves excluded from the garden where there are dogs. Now, in Genesis, the third chapter, again in verse number 22, it says, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. And so he drove out the man. And I want to just emphasize what he says here. So he drove the man out of this place where the tree of life existed. Now, Adam and Eve had an opportunity to eat of the tree of life just as well of any other fruit except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now Satan didn't go to her and tempt her to eat of the tree of life. Did he? Because they had the ability to eat of it any day of the week. But because the law of God, because the only Law that god had given his creations was to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and i know that there's probably some philosophical lesson in that i'll have to ponder that for um for a week or so but um of why that was the only commandment why didn't god want his creations to know the difference between good and evil and i want to say the reason why he didn't want us because he loved us enough to. He loved us enough to know that if the day that we did, as he told us, we will surely die. And guess what, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are subject to that death even today. But he drove the man out lest he eat of the knowledge of the tree, or excuse me, let's eat of the, the fruit of the tree of life. And he protected the garden, as it says in verse number 24, with a cherubim, a flaming sword, which turned every which way to keep the way of the tree of life. It's guarded. Is the, the way of the truth, the way of the tree of life, is it guarded today with a cherubim with a flaming sword? That's an interesting question. But we know what the scripture says. That Jesus is what? The way, the truth, and the life. No man who cometh unto the Father can come to him except he come through Jesus the Christ. Today, the cherubim is not blocking the way to the tree of life, because that way is now accessible to all atoms and all eaves by virtue of Jesus the Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that's an interesting little tidbit there, isn't it? that we have access to get back into this Garden of Eden, to this place of eternal protection, this abode that is perfect, this utopia, if you will, this place where we can be fed and not be ashamed, that was previously where man was previously drove out by God, and this tree of life was protected By a cherubim or the way to the tree of life was protected by this cherubim that had a flaming sword, which, you know, there are, you know, there are drawings of what a cherubim looked like. And and they were magnificent and powerful creatures. I want to talk about being drove out for a second. um, And I don't mean to digress, but go to the book of Jude. You read of another example of some individuals that were drove out of a of a perfect place, um, an abode where God, you know, uh, uh, any tripping over my words this morning Um, should have had some some breakfast. But they were driven out of this perfect place, and in Jude. It tells us in, uh, what is it, verse number 5. It says, uh, Jude writes, I will therefore put you in remembrance that ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And that's an interesting um, you know, kind of discussion there as well, that you know, they were in Egyptian bondage. And instead of driving, you know, God pushing them out of Egypt, God led them out of Egypt. You know, that's, I think that's uh, an interesting, and that's a lesson in and of itself, you know, that for Adam and Eve as sinners, um, newly discovered sinners, right? Um, we knew that they'd sinned because they knew good and evil. They acknowledged that sin by covering their shame with fig trees. To the extent that God, when he found them, you know, hiding, you know, off in the bushes somewhere. uh, God asked the question, who told you you were naked? But they became aware of that sin. And it says that God drove them out. He didn't lead them. He... He, with, with his force of will, with his providence, if you will, he drove them out. In ver, Jude, uh, verse number 5, it says that he led his people. He saved them by leading them out of Egypt. The scripture tells us in the book of Exodus that he led them with a, a cloud and a, and a pillar of fire. Right? He led them out of Egypt, you know, as a shepherd would lead his flock. But in verse number six of, of Jude, it says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness and to the judgment of the great day. You know, you can go back and you can look at uh, um, the... Um, for, what is it, the second or third chapter, um, for those of you who are taking notes, I want to say it is, uh, <clears throat> uh, let's see here, I'll, I'll get it for you real quick, and then I'll move on. <clears throat> what is it here? Ah, the uh, Revelation the twelfth chapter, um, you know in verse number seven, it says that there was a war in heaven, and the Satan and his angels fought against God and, and his angels, and it says that they prevailed not, neither was there any place any neither was their place found any anymore in heaven. And it says in verse number 9 of Revelations chapter 12 that they were cast out. It wasn't, they weren't dri- driven out, but they were cast out. But what you can see here is that the same type of action that God um, exhibited on Adam and Eve in their sin is the same action that God excluded the angels from heaven. He didn't lead them out. He pushed them out. He kicked them out. He threw them out. With the force of God's will, they were thrown out of this eternal abode where there is no sorrow, there is no tears, there is no night. It is a perfect place. They don't have to work because God provides the sustenance that they need to survive in this place. But because of sin... God took them by the coattails and threw them out of the gates of that city. Not only did he do that to Adam and Eve, but he did that to Satan and his angels. You know, the scripture says that it is not a fantastically, you know, uh, huge lift to believe in God. Here's what I mean by that. You are not special if you believe in God. Okay, whoop to do. You believe in God it is not. Uh, it is just saying that I believe in God is not going to get you any closer to heaven <laughs> than 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 anything. I mean, it is a belief in God is so rudimentary. It's silly. It's like preschool. Like okay, I know my ABCs. All right. But do you know how to write? Do you know how to read? (laughs) Do you know what this word is? Just because you know your ABCs doesn't mean that you have the skills and knowledge to um, write a research paper. Right. Mm -hmm. But the scripture says that if you believe in God, ye do well. Mm -hmm. But it is not a hugely important thing, because guess what? Guess who also believes in God? Satan believes in God, and it says that not just Satan, but his angels believe in God, and they tremble. Why? And this really gets to tying all the points of the lesson together. They believe in God, and they tremble because they know that there is a life after death. just as we read in Jude in the 6th chapter and as we read in the book of Revelation, that the second death involves, it says that the first and the second beast will be taken out of hell and hell itself will be <clears throat> emptied into the lake of fire and brimstone which is the second death. Read it. It's, it's in there. Uh, this isn't you know, a, a, a fancy uh, of Thomas Garner. It's not a fancy of any, uh, any one of us, but it is the truth. Amen. And the angels who kept not their first estate they are reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day that is what the angels excuse me the the demons the devils satan and his angels his minions you know those stars if you will that were that it says that a, a third of the stars in heaven were cast down 33%, I mean, if I'm doing the math right, 33.3333333% of the celestial creatures that God created says that they are reserved until the judgment of the great day. Even then. They believe God, they believe in their fate, and they tremble. So here's what Satan tries to do. Satan tries to do, this is what he says. He says, Brother Marzette, Sister Allison, Brother Bill, you know the commandments of God. You know the commandments of God is that you have to love Him, love your heart, your mind, your spirit. No names are available. It says that you have to love others as you would love yourself. Mm -hmm. But God, excuse me, but Satan, as it says in the book of Romans, the first chapter, it says those who do not retain the knowledge of God in their mind are open to the susceptibility of the wiles of the devil. Mm -hmm. And what he does is he changes the truth of God into a lie By getting you to believe that if you do not comply with those commandments, if you transgress those commandments, which the scripture has defined is sin, because sin is a transgression of the law. He says, go ahead and do it. You won't surely die. Mm -hmm. How many of you have sinned and have lived to tell the story? I think all of us have sinned and have lived to tell the story (laughs) on this side of life, right? So you know what Satan is trying to do? He's trying to do that same old trick that he used with Adam and Eve by saying you won't, and I'm using air quotes, you won't surely die. Mm -hmm. He's trying to get you to believe that the only thing that really matters is your life here on this planet. Mm-hmm. Because we've all sinned and not died immediately after the, after we've sinned. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but if you go back to the old law, there are people who, who sinned and immediately died. Well, you won't even have to go back to the old law. You can go back to the book of Acts where it says that, <clears throat> what is it? Um, it's gonna say Ananias and Sapphira, right? Yes. It says that immediately after they after they said their lie, yes. It's <laughs> it says that the husband died, mm-hmm. um, and then Priscilla, not knowing that her husband died, right. Sapphira, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm Priscilla and Aquila. Mm-hmm. Um, I, sometimes I mix them up. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't do that, but. Uh, It says immediately after they lied to the Holy Spirit, they instantly fell down. They gave up the spirit, as it says, and they fell down and they died. (laughs) As one is being dragged out uh, of the room, another is coming in to uh, reiterate that lie. I digress. But we do know that there is a life after death. And it, where we spend our eternal um, or where our eternal abode will be, will be predicated on what we do on this side of life. So, yes, if you sin, you will surely die unless you do what? Repent. If you go to the scripture reading 1 Corinthians the 15th chapter Paul talks to the Corinthians and he says these words he's he's basically saying listen Not only is there not only is there fornication not only is it commonly reported that there's fornication going on in the church at Corinth as we can read in the first chapter not only are you guys, you know, following after men. There's cliques going on. There's some that are say they're of Apollos. There's some that are say they're Peter. Some that are say of Christ. Some that they are say of Paul. Paul says, "I am so happy I didn't baptize only but a handful of you right? There's fornication. There's cliques. We read um, in in the the 11th chapter that. People were bringing food into the worship service and just, you know, you know how it is, right? And you're hungry and somebody else has got food. The worst thing they can do is just smack in front of your face. Just <laughs> licking their lips, right? Um, they were bringing food into the congregation. Um, you know, there were haves and have nots is, is really the uh, the the underlining theme there. Um, Not only that, the women were speaking out loud in the church and saying, you know, whatever it is that they were saying, they weren't keeping their silence. There wasn't reverence. There wasn't order in the worship service. And what we will also find here in first Corinthians, the 15th chapter, believe it or not, there were Christians who did not believe in the resurrection. Yeah. Oh, my. There were men and women who were baptized in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and some of them did not believe that it were possible for Jesus Christ to have risen from the dead. Wow. I mean, (laughs) uh, let's just read it. In 1 Corinthians the 15th chapter it says in verse number 12 and I can only imagine the frustration Paul was going through as he was writing this epistle to the church of Corinth. Mm -hmm. I can I can only imagine it because that would be akin to my children. right? I've done all that I can to raise them right to teach them the truth, to do all these things, and then I hear about them up in college, you know, up at UOP maybe. (laughs) Right? Just living the life of a hooligan. Right? I'm hearing about, I'm seeing on Facebook, Snappy Chat, Instagram, whatever the case might be, pictures of my children doing things that I've expressly taught them not to do, right? And then I see a post of them saying, God who? Christ who? Resurrection from the dead, what? Can you imagine that? And then, and obviously... You know, the, the the advancement of technology is not what they have today. So the only recourse Paul had was to write a letter and send it with somebody. And I could just... And then just... Uh, because he's just talking about... It. Well, let's read it and then I'll let the scripture will do a better job than I will ever be ever to do. So first Corinthians, the 15th chapter and verse number 12. It says, now, if Christ be preached that. Sorry, let's start over. Now, if, now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how some how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. You have to understand something. The access to the way to the tree of life was guarded by a cherubim all the way back in the book of Genesis up until the point in which Christ rose from the dead. You have to understand that There was absolutely no way for man to get back to this metaphorical Garden of Eden, have access to eat of the tree of life because there was a cherubim guarding the way. It was impossible. Um, So again, but if there be no resurrection from the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen... Then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. (laughs) It's of no value. There were men and women of the gospel of Jesus, of the household of faith. Well, they weren't even of the household of faith because they didn't have the faith. But there were those in the congregation, let's say, that did not believe that Christ actually rose from the dead. And Paul is saying, if that were the case, if Christ did not, rape, did not be resurrected, right? Mm-hmm. Then this is just an exercise in futility. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe it today, then we're just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe it today, then you love a lie. I'll let that just kind of settle for a second. The Christians at Corinth who did not believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead are the same people who are going to be outside the city with the dogs because they love a lie. If you don't believe something is true and you still do it, then that means that you love a lie. Right? Amen. I mean, I'm not saying that the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is a lie. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is it what does it mean to you? Mm-hmm. If you don't believe that it is true, then by virtue of your believing it is not true, you believe that it is a lie. Mm-hmm. And if you are here this morning showing up every Sunday reaching into your pocket to put into that giving plate you know if you're on this line right now you know if you're going through the motions but not believing then you believe in a lie i would venture to say that you love the lie because nobody in their right mind would be doing what you are doing (laughs) today if you didn't love the lie i'm not saying that the truth the gospel is a lie i'm saying what does it mean to you And that's what Paul is talking about here. He says, if you don't believe in the resurrection, or if you don't believe in an afterlife, if you don't believe it is possible that one can die and then be risen to a new life, then you believe a lie. Your faith is also vain. In verse number 15 of 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, it says, Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. And that's what he says. He he says, if that is not the truth, then him being apostle and all the other apostles, all the other evangelists, the preachers, the elders, deacons of that time, they they are also found to be false witnesses of God because... We have testified of God that He raised up Christ. He raised up Christ. See the active ingredient there? God didn't lead up Christ. With the force of God's will, He raised up Christ. Here's where I get to this this thing. If you believe there's a devil, you have to believe there's a God. If you believe there's a God, you have to believe there's a devil. Right? God, with the force of His will, drove men out of the Garden of Eden. God, with the force of His will, cast Satan and his angels and his minions, his, his, his followers, his disciples, out of heaven. And with that same force of will, God raised up Christ from the dead. Again, again going back to verse number 15, it says, Whom he, whom he raised not up, if so be whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. And, and I'll read the whole verse in its entirety just so we, we get the entire context. Yea, we are found fall witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ. That's a colon there. Mm-hmm. Whom he raised whom He raised not, whom He raised not up. If so be that the dead. Rise not. And basically, you know, if you're not following what he's saying here, what Paul is saying is that um, he couldn't have raised him up if it weren't possible for the dead to rise in the first place. See how that works? He couldn't have done what he did. God, rather, could not have raised Christ from the dead if it were not possible for the dead to rise. See how they prove one another? Yes. If God were able to do it, then it must, then that possibility must exist because God was able to do it. Oh, if God weren't able to do it, or if God did not do it, rather, then that possibility would not exist because God did not do it. Right. But because he did it, it is a fact and it is truth. Therefore, if you don't believe in it, then you are deceived and you are believing in a lie. Amen. Or it is a lie to you and you are a believer. And again, what he's talking about, he's talking to Christians, yes. not non-believers. He's talking to Christians, Christians, Christians who Heard, believed, repent, repented, confessed, and went down that water grip of baptism just like you did. But they came up, what? A wet devil. Because they loved a lie. Or they changed the truth of God into a lie and loved it by virtue of the fact that they showed up every Sunday. And continued to call themselves Christians. And it was commonly reported Can you believe that? It was commonly reported that a young man was having sexual relations with his father's wife, and nobody was doing anything about it. Wow. So I get back to the lesson here. <clears throat> in verse number sixteen of 1 Corinthians, the fifteenth chapter, it says, "For if the dead not, ri- for if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised?" And I I can't even say it in that context because it's not a question. Mm-hmm. So let me I have to be careful with how I with my syntax. Verse number sixteen. I'll read again. For if the dead rise not then is not Christ raised. Colon. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. And guess what? Ye are yet in your sins. You see how important it is for Christ to have died? And not just to have died, right? Not the sacrifice of God on the cross was just part of the story. But the totality of the story was that he sacrificed himself and as a result of his sacrifice, his obedience unto death, God awarded him or rewarded him with the force of his will by resurrecting him from the dead. See how this works? If we die to sin, just as Christ died for our sins, by the force of God's will, He will raise us up into newness of life. We will be resurrected spiritually. Now I get, uh, I'll get. i finish off this. It says... Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Right. So if if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then we're our faith is vain. We're still we're still in our sins. We're still subject to eternal damnation. And those who died in Christ, well, they died in vain and they are also in the pit of hell. And then in the scripture, reading, verse number 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Mm -hmm. And what Paul is trying to allude here is saying, if you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, if you believe if you believe that only this life is all we get. If our hope in Jesus Christ is just confined to, live, to our lives on this planet, then we are, of all men, are most miserable. Why would he say that? If you have your notes, go back and read. Go back and look at what we talked about last Lord's Day. About our struggle as men and women of faith go back and read about the struggles that Paul went through where he said, "O wretched man that I am." All those struggles that he's going through that we go through where, where our spirits are constantly in conflict with the desires of our flesh, if our hope in Jesus Christ is just confined to our life here on this planet, then yes, We of all men are most miserable. If this is all there is, then yes, we are most miserable. We're constantly in struggle with our flesh. We're constantly fighting against our flesh. If you don't believe that there is a resurrection, if you don't believe that there is an afterlife, then you of all Christians... Are most miserable. Here's the flip side of that. If this, if I truly believed that this life was all there is, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be married to that woman right now. Mm-hmm. Or sure, I'd be married to her, mm-hmm. but guess what? I'd have four or five other mm-hmm. ladies I wouldn't be in this building right now. I'd be sitting at home in my PJs watching ESPN. I tell you what, if I if this life were the only life there is for me, I'd be a drug dealer. I'd be a gambler. I'd be a fornicator. I I would have even though my credit isn't good, my credit would be absolutely horrible, right? I'd be spending money as soon as I get it. I'd be taking from you whatever it is I want. And I'm, I'm using all of these David, Heather, my, my Heather's looking at me cross-eyed, as you should. But what I'm doing is I'm trying to use these words by emphasis. If this were the only life that you had... Why would you constrain yourself by following the gospel of Jesus Christ? Go out there and live it up. Have fun. Enjoy. You've only got 70 plus years to live if you're lucky. Brother and sister Bills are brother and sister Bill are playing with house money. They they're 90 they're 20 years past that. Right? If this was all you have to look forward to, then leave the building. Just give up the gospel and go live your life and have fun. Enjoy. But we all know there is life after death. And because we know the truth, that's the reason why we follow the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the reason why we are constantly fighting, struggling, persevering, running this race the way that the scripture tells us we should run this race, because we know there is a resurrection. We know that this life is not the end all be all. And I'm here to tell not only you, but me and those on the prayer line this morning if you don't believe in the resurrection, you are a most men miserable. All the things you're doing are of no value. They're vain. And at the end of the day, it's not going to get you any closer to heaven just because you're going through the motions. Mm -hmm. So the lesson is yours. Mm -hmm. If you're here this morning and you struggle with that belief, or you struggle with the idea of the of an afterlife, or the afterlife. If you struggle with this concept of resurrection from the dead, and I would say, if if you struggle with it, I'm not, you know, I, I'm certainly not judging anybody who struggles with it, because there, <laughs> uh, I am growing in faith just as all of us are growing in faith, and I would say that. Your struggles with, with this resurrection or believing in the resurrection are the same struggles that we just got through reading that grown men and women of the gospel of Jesus Christ also experienced in the first century um, in, the, in the congregation at Corinth. Okay? If you have struggles with it, I would encourage you to read through the remainder of. Of 1 Corinthians the 15th chapter. Because Paul starts off. By talking about this issue. And then he ends off. Chapter 15. Into chapter 16. He talks about. He's specifically talking to those people. Who have struggles. With believing in the resurrection. Believing in the afterlife. If you have struggles with that. Go back and read. The, the, all of the 15th and the 16th chapter. Paul is talking to you, and he gives forth the evidence. He preaches the truth. He tells you the reasons why you should believe in the resurrection in the afterlife. He goes on to say, he goes on to use the same argument. Well, it's not an argument, it is a fact. He says there are two types of bodies. He says that there's a terrestrial body and a celestial body, just like there's different types of flesh. And he says that God is a celestial body and mankind is a terrestrial body. And when you are resur- when when Christ was resurrected from the dead, he had a transition or a transformation. Just as we will have that transformation. It, it's very logical. If you don't, if you're having issues.